ओम ज्ञान तिरंधस्यानंजन शलाकाय चक्षुर्मीलिताेन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम महीपते ममंथुरसा त्रीद बाहुको नर ट्रांसलेशन After making a decision the saintly persons and sages churned the thighs of the dead body of King Vena with great force and according to a specific method as a result of this churning a dwarf like person was born from King Vena's body Purport that a person was born by the churning of the thighs of King Vena proves that the spirit soul is individual and separate from the body The great sages and saintly persons could beget another person from the body of the dead King Vena but it was not possible for them to bring King Vena back to life King Vena was gone and certainly he had taken another body The saintly persons and sages were only concerned with the body of Vena because it was a result of the seminal succession in the family of Maharaj Dhruva Consequently the ingredients by which another body could be produced were there in the body of king vena by a certain process when the thighs of the dead body were churned another body came out although dead the body of king vena was preserved by drugs and mantras chanted by king vena's mother in this way the ingredients for the production of another body were there when the body of the person named bahuka came out of the dead body of king vena it was really not very astonishing It was simply a question of knowing how to do it. From the semen of one body another body is produced and the life symptoms are visible due to the soul's taking shelter of this body. One should not think that it was impossible for another body to come out of the dead body of Maharaj Vena. This was performed by the skillful action of the sages. Another decision is made by the rishis the saintly persons and sages on what to do next seems they they hadn't planned this in advance it was uh, a desperate situation we see that when parikshit maharaj committed an offense to the father of shringi whose name was i'm forgetting shami hmm yeah so uh yeah the father he rebuked his son Why are you treating the Oh the son responded by cursing the king to die and the, the father was very upset Shamikarish was it? He was very upset that how can you pronounce such a curse on the king the, 
That's a highly, that in itself is a highly sinful thing to do. Because the king is the upholder of the Varnashram institution. It's like a father to the citizens. And in the absence of the king, then all problems become present in human society. So it's a great sin. Even in Europe, a few kings were killed here and there, and by citizens. If one king kills another in battle, that's considered fair enough. That he's not competent anyway to. If he dies, well, the next king comes in. One king can kill another. But if the citizens kill a king, that's considered very sinful. That was considered sinful even in Europe. There's even a word for it in English. Regicide means to. Just like homicide means to kill a man. So regicide means to kill a king. Then it became more or less normal. They made a habit of it in various places. But it was considered very sinful because the king is the Naradhipa, uh, the leader of the people. Naranangchan Naradhipam, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. He's the, among men, the king is the representative of Krishna. Interestingly, he says, in this context, because there are brahmanas who are also representatives, but Krishna especially refers to the king as his representative. <clears throat> of course, the brahmanas, they're sometimes considered deva also, the gods among men. So here we find that the sages who are saintly persons and not demons, they killed the king. It was a, uh, must have been a very difficult decision for them to take because you're not supposed to kill kings. You're not supposed to kill anyone under, unless there's some need for it. Generally, it's one tries to avoid killing any living being, but sometimes it becomes necessary. <clears throat> but as, as much as possible, it should be avoided. So we see that the sages, they, they took the momentous decision. They, they, they decided this is the, under the circumstances, it's the right thing to do. If the king is so wicked, then he should be removed completely. He didn't respond. He didn't respond to uh, reasonable advice. He was incorrigible, and therefore he had to be killed. And the sages did that by their uh, by their brahmateja, by their brahminical power. So we see that. It's not possible to always be nice. It's recommended. Recommended. Be nice. Do good. Be good. What is that? The Sai Baba they say. Always. What is it? 
love all, hate none, what is it, do good ever, do harm never, all this kind of thing, little slogans. So the idea that we should always be nice is actually a very dangerous idea. Because if you're nice to people who are not nice, then you end up in a lot of trouble. And that's uh, a problem in the modern age because, uh, well, of course, this, may, this statement may be considered a politically charged statement, but uh, there are uh, considerable sections of a what is called in India a minority religion who are determined to be nice in their own way, which is not considered nice under any normal human conditions. They, they think they're benefiting society by killing people. But the damn stupid government thinks we should be nice to them. Of course, it's a complex issue, but they're not facing the fact. It's not only in India, but in many countries of the world, they're not facing the fact that in this minority religion, of course, it's not minority everywhere, but there are many members who are trained to be hateful towards others, even from childhood. Some of them are trained just to kill the kafirs. So it doesn't make any sense to, to show niceness to such people. So that was the decision that the sages took and they killed King Vena uh, because he was incorrigibly wicked. They made that decision. And it appears they, uh, they were writing the score as they went along, as the saying goes. They, they weren't they weren't sure what to do. At the time that they did that, they were not thinking what to do next because every action has produces consequences and they ended up in a situation in which they had no king. The result of having no king is that the thieves and rogues immediately became active. And although they had one rogue at the head of the state previously, at least he was he kept the uh, all the other rogues in check so uh, yeah we see that it's uh, in practically that just like for instance in the erstwhile Soviet Union the government was highly repressive including to criminals, to everyone. And criminals had a really tough time, which means there weren't many criminals. People were afraid. But then as soon as the, uh, as soon as the government, governmental system changed and they became more liberal and fair to everyone, then the uh, rogues came out and Russia's... Uh, in, in the, the mafia in Russia is a high, in the, at the present time or practically since the time when they removed the restrictions the, the, the underworld elements are prominent in society they immediately came out 
So a good king is required who knows who to repress, who to control, and who to uh, exercise liberality toward. But we find that an oppressive king, he's oppressive to everyone. And then the liberal government, they're liberal to everyone, and neither is neither is balanced. Liberality is required for those who don't misuse it, and punishment is required for those who do, or who would otherwise misuse the freedom which is accorded to uh, cooperative citizens or respectable citizens. So the sages made a decision. Uh, they, they would have known that the, 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 uh, the bad elements would come out, but they, it seems they didn't have time to take everything in stock by, by the, when they made the decision. Or We don't know exactly. We don't have all the background. Uh, in any, any story that's told, you don't get every little detail given. So they may have been hoping for something better, but practically... The situation arose where they needed a, a king. And the body of King Vena had been preserved in oil and with mantras chanted by the mother of King Vena. This is not stated in the Bhagavatam itself, but in the purport, which means it's probably stated in another Purana elsewhere. Uh, so from that body, the, 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 the saintly persons, they churned the thighs and first of all, a uh, nasty-looking dwarf came out. Uh, <clears throat> These sages, they made the decision that we will produce a, from the body we will call forth a fitting successor of Dhruva Maharaj, someone who is uh, worthy to rule. Dhruva, Anga, and Vena was uh, due to being born from the womb of the daughter of death personified, then he became himself like death personified. So the sages, they uh, made a decision, and as a result, as a consequence of this churning, this dwarf-like person was born from King Vena's body. That, that wasn't who they, they wanted to be the king. He was the he was as if the representative of all the sinful desires of King Vena. So once that was removed, then a worthy successor of the dynasty of Dhruva Maharaj could be produced. <clears throat> We find in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna speaks of divine and demoniac qualities, abhijato si pandava. 
Masucha Sampadam Daivam Abhijato Si Pandava. Don't worry, Arjun. I'm, you are born with the divine qualities. I'll describe the demoniac qualities, but you don't worry. I'm, I'm not blaming you. I'm not talking about you. You are divine. You are born with such qualities. And the uh, demoniac qualities are described as also as people are born with such qualities. Of course, uh, qualities can also be uh, imbibed by association. It may be that someone is uh, basically not of very good qualities, but if, if they associate with people of good qualities, they can imbibe those good qualities, and vice versa. We see that people who have basically good qualities by associating with uh, low-class people, they also become devoid of good qualities. So there are different factors. Different factors. It's uh, an ongoing discussion within the fields of psychology, sociology. That, uh, are people... Well, it's not so much ongoing. They've more or less decided that everyone is born equal, but by association and training, they become... They turn out the way they do. Uh, there was... Well, still it's accepted. Otherwise, why are they so busy or wanting to clone, do cloning? So it's, a, it, it's accepted to some extent uh, that character depends on birth. And in the modern understanding, that is according to one's genetic, in, in, inherited genet genetic patterns. And another school says, no, it's according to the association one has. So, but we find in the uh, Vedic understanding that both of these factors are imp important in shaping the character of people. Uh, it's not just that by good birth one becomes good. Even if one, even if one is born in the best of, of families, uh, both husband and wife being of good background, good character, which wasn't the case in the case of Bena. His father was good, but his mother wasn't. <clears throat> so, uh, even if one is born of good parents, still, Training is required. It's not just that they automatically become good. But uh, one is born of good parents and they send the child at a young age to be trained by an ideal person with the idea that they can also become an ideal person by such association and training. Traditionally, the uh, gurus would accept children of a good background. Generally that would be a Brahmana family. Brahmana or also Kshatriya, Vaishya, but for uh, deep training in Shastra. That was especially for the 
brahmanas. Uh, and so we find in the case of that, uh, Satyakama, he wasn't, well, we don't know what family background he's from, but apparently Shankaracharya says, well, he must have been a brahmana, but it seems not, at least the character of his mother seems to have not been very good. Uh, definitely wasn't very good, and that's the whole point. But he was accepted as a brahmana, unusually. Generally, it's if, you, if you're born of a good family, then you must be fit material for shaping. Just like certain clay is good for making pots. Not any, you just can't pick up any, any earth anywhere. If you try to make sand into pots, then you're not going to be successful. It requires a certain kind of clay that can be shaped. And it would, if you try to shape sand into pots, then it's not going to work, however expert the potter may be. But pots cannot be made of sand. And among clays there may be some which is better than others, but it remains uh, clays that may be suitable for making pots. Among the clays that are suitable for making pots, some may be more suitable than others. But an expert potter he can make a good pot even out of a less suitable clay but not out of sand no one makes pots out of sand so in the same way uh, those who are born from a good family one that's followed the Vedic principles that was discussed in previous verse, the purificatory processes beginning with garbhadhan sanskar. Sanskar means purificatory process. Then it is expected that they will give birth to children who are fit to be shaped, fit to be trained. So the uh, responsible parents would send their children to be trained by uh, a person who himself had been trained previously, an ideal person. Uh, there would be the guru. Uh, later in life, it's, it's possible that one may accept another guru also. There may be one who teaches one a good character, general knowledge, but then for one's spiritual uplift, one goes or, or, or one goes to a guru, just like uh, for for spirit for deeper spiritual understanding, just like we see, for instance, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his guru who was in his childhood, was Gangadas Pandit. But later he took spiritual initiation from Ishvara Puri. So general education was there, in knowledge of Shastra. And no doubt Gangadas Pandit, uh, well any guru will impart just by the 
mainly by their own behavior, they will impart how to behave, various usages, behavioral usages. But for spiritual upliftment, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu surrendered at the lotus feet of Sri Ishvara Puri, <clears throat> who taught him what Ganga Das didn't teach him, the essence of life. So such gurus, they may, it's more common to find a guru who will teach knowledge, the basic knowledge. I mean, there's a class in human society of uh, the brahmanas who will, among them, uh, among the brahmana class, there are brahmanas who teach young boys. They give them their basic education. But there are others who are, they may, may be quite rare. Durlabha Sadguru Devi. It's very rare to find kind of guru who will uh, give tadvigyanartha, the vigyana, the realized knowledge uh, by which one can become free from birth and death. And even beyond getting free from birth and death. What could be beyond that? Most, most transcendentalists cannot even perceive that there can be anything beyond getting free from birth and death. But even far beyond that is Krishna consciousness, pure devotional service. So such a guru is very rare, and if one can get one, then such a person can transform one. It's a transformational process. Ah, so uh, Vena, he was not capable of being transformed. He, he was not. It was not possible to transform him. The sages tried. They tried to give him good advice, but he didn't listen. He became offended by the sages. He became offended by everyone, pretty much, if there's life. Even for no reason, he would kill people, just for fun, so to speak. So he became offended at the suggestion of the sages that he, sh that he Vena, should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But he misquoted Shastra to say that, well, I'm the Supreme. You should worship me. So... He was incorrigible. And Bahuk also was uh, presumably incorrigible. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, among all the avatars, he is the best. Although they're all the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the best because he transforms the hopeless cases. Those who are those who are fit for neglecting at best or if necessary killing also. If you really a, really want to be a demon to the full extent and you practice hard enough over enough lifetimes, of course your lifetimes they get interspersed with uh, long sessions in a very nasty place and in the lower species of life. But if one is really a, an eligible demon, if you become really eligible enough 
you can get killed by the Supreme Lord. And then that's it. You get liberation. It's not a recommended process to get liberation. It's risky and it's, uh, it's uh, more likely to end, up, to end up in many, many births in the lower species of life and in hellish conditions. So uh, that's one way to get liberation, but not recommended. <clears throat> but Chaitanya, and especially in this Kali Yuga, because anyway it's difficult to be so bad as Hiranyakashipu, because people aren't powerful enough. I mean, even the demons, they, they try their best and they're pretty bad, but they can't get power to the extent that Ravana or Hiranyakashipu, and they just, just, people are weak. They think Hitler was bad, but he was just, you know, he was just a little pipsqueak compared to Hiranyakashipu. He just terrorized a part of this planet, but Hiranyakashipu was terrorizing the whole universe. So, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he doesn't kill anyone, but he kills their material desires. And so therefore he's the best of avatars, because he reforms even those who would normally be considered irreformable. One may approach a spiritual guru later in life, as I was saying, but for, for further transformation, the guru transforms one from Janmana, Jayate, Shudra, Sanskara, Bhavet, Dvija, that from being merely a Dvija, boy, the, the child is considered Shudra, on the level of a Shudra. Uh, but then when he has the Upanayana, then that's the, that's the Sanskara. He becomes twice born. But for that twice born, of course, you you see some children are born and then they just die for lack of nourishment or whatever. So if they if the dvija, one who goes through the upanayanam, he doesn't get the Vedic knowledge. He's not trained in Vedic knowledge. It's like a child takes birth. They're not fed. Then they just die. Then they're no longer. A, they don't. They're, they're a Nirja, no birth, or dead. Here the word is given for dead. Vipanasya, one who has the quality of vipanna, dead. Vipanna, that generally means, or oh, maybe that's vipanna. Uh, what's that? It means like depressed. We find in Chaitanya Charitamrita that's often used that word. Uh, what does it mean? Do you know that word? You don't know the derivation. Okay. Anyway, here it uh, definitely describes the decidedly dead king. He was quite dead. I mean, sometimes you're not sure, but they were sure. He was completely dead. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the... the one may go through the Upanayanam Samskar and become a Dvija, but then if, if, if one is not trained in Vedic knowledge, 
then what's the what's the point of it's just like what's the point of giving birth to children if you don't feed them and nourish them? So what's the point of giving anyone upanayanam samskar unless you train them in Vedic knowledge, which goes on today? Usually the brahmanas they they club the upanayanam samskar together with the uh, marriage because it saves money, but it's all meaningless because they're supposed to have upanayanam samskar, go for training and then come back and get married. But it's just become a formula. That they, it's just a ceremony. But they're not actually twice. Actually, they're getting married at the age of 98 or something, whatever age they get married these days. Usually, well, anyway, 28 at least, usually. And anyway, they're, they're past the age for Upanayanam. That's stated in Shastra. They're by the, what is it, the age of 16 at the latest, if they don't have the Upanayanam, then they're just Shudras, finished. There's no, no question of reformation. So, uh, the uh, Vedic knowledge has to be taught to them. Then, Veda Patit Pavit Vipra, then they become Vipra, a learned person. Uh, but still, they may become learned by the, 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 that, that's transformation. Upanayanam samskara, samskara, a transformation. But the transformation comes by the education. But then uh, further transformation has to take place if they're actually to become a brahmana. Brahma, Brahma, Janatiti, Brahmana. They, if they know Brahma, then they become a Brahmana. Brahma vid Brahmaiva Bhavati. By knowing what is Brahma, they become Brahmana. Or they become Brahma. They become of the quality of Brahma. So the, uh, one may approach a, a, a guru. That's not forbidden for further spiritual, intense spiritual understanding. We see in the modern age that people come, often they come to Krishna consciousness after uh, a life of kusangskar, or, or bad impressions. So people are coming and more like bahuka, full of sinful desires. But there's the desire to become transformed. By the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that is possible. Dina hino joto chilo, harinaame udharilo, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's process, that even those who are very fallen and sinful, they can be uplifted. Which wasn't considered generally possible in previous ages. Or uh, possible by a very slow process. That those who are sinful, but not the most sinful, they get born in a Shudra family, and by serving the higher castes, then they become eligible in the next birth to take birth in a family where they're not so uh, well, if they perform if they're not too bad shudras if they don't steal too much or 
indulge in too many activities which would be considered grossly sinful for others, then they can get a higher birth and then they can gradually go up and up and up and gradually take birth as a brahmana and eventually attain perfection after many births. So the Varnashram system is a system of gradual purification. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's process is it's virtually instant. Often devotees say, well, you know, I've been chanting for so many years, still I have so many bad things in my mind, and it doesn't seem like I'm making any progress. But they forget that. And normally to go from the position that we started off in, I mean, we wouldn't even be allowed. We wouldn't be accepted as candidates at all for accepting a, a, a guru or being trained in spiritual life. They're totally unqualified, not only unqualified, disqualified. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy is thus, that there can be transformation if one wants it. That's, one, one can advance as much as one desires to. If one doesn't submit himself for training and purification, then ipso facto, you can't be trained or purified. It's not just, many devotees approach me and ask for blessings. I get a bit fed up of it. <clears throat> you know, blessings, blessings, but there, there's this idea just sometimes, like in the uh, Shakta Sampradaya, Shakti part, you just, oh! <laughs> and all of a sudden there's, you get some electric shock, something like this, and then you become transformed. Just like in uh, modern Bengali folklore, there's the <laughs> there's the story of how one Gadadha Chatopadhyay, otherwise known as anyway, I won't say his name. Certain Paramahamsa touched his disciple who felt a flow of current into him and it was so powerful that he passed out and then he woke up after some time to see his guru, so-called guru, crying and he asked him, why are you crying? Because I gave everything I had to you. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> so people are asking for blessings. Just blessings. You know, I'll watch... TV and eat kami food and uh, you bless me and I'll become Krishna conscious. It doesn't work. We have to do our work. We have to, we have to make our own decision to be Krishna conscious. The blessings are there if we are serious to take to Krishna consciousness. But if we're not, then as much as we may, may make a show of asking for blessings, then we won't get them because they, or even if we do get them, we have to take them. The blessings are there in the form of instruction. So <clears throat> transformation comes by accepting the process that is given by saintly persons and sages. And if we don't accept it, if we if we resist, no, I can't, can't do this, won't do that, then. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so, the sages 
they, by some process that we are not aware of nowadays, they brought to life from the dead body of King Vena a, a dwarf who was the uh, embodiment of many sinful desires. Srila Prabhupada writes here that it was not astonishing that a person came out of the dead body. Prabhupada writes, it was really not very astonishing. It was simply a question of knowing how to do it. It's an interesting comment because that's what the mundane scientists say. They, they, uh, they presume that there is no God and that what, are, what God-believing persons ascribe to God are un, un, or supernatural occurrences. The, the, science, the mundane scientists, they either deny that such occurrences take place or they say that, well, it can be explained by mundane phenomena or measurable phenomena. We may not be aware of it now, but in future we'll become aware. <clears throat> uh, and they say that, well, if something, what we see as astonishing, takes place, then it must be some material process, and it's just a matter of knowing how to do it. If you don't know, it may seem like a miracle. But if you do know, it's just normal. Just like uh, turning on a TV and then watching whatever's on the TV to people who have no knowledge. Is there any such people left in the world, which I doubt? The people who have no knowledge of such a contraption, they may think that this is a miracle. But for most people in the world, it's absolutely everyday activity. So the mundane scientists say that, well, it's just a matter of knowing. Whatever we, whatever we think is miraculous, it just means that we haven't yet understood the mechanism by which it is done. So here Prabhupada writes a similar thing. It's the, the sages, they were able by churning the thighs of Ve the dead body of Vena, they were able to produce a, uh, another body. So Prabhupada said, well, it's not very astonishing. It's, it's a material mechanical process. We can't imagine it in the modern age how that can be done, but it was able to be done. And Prabhupada, uh, he doesn't question it. He doesn't say, well, you know, that's just ridiculous. It's just one of those silly things written in the books of Hindu mythology. He doesn't say that. He say, yeah, it took place, but so what? The people, modern scientists might say, well, you know, that's not possible. It's just, it's just a ridiculous story how from a, a dead body, the, another, a living body was produced. But Prabhupada why not? They know how to do it. They did it. You don't know how to do it? You can't do it. And Prabhupada didn't question the uh, possibility of that. 
and he writes, one should not think that it was impossible for another body to come out of the dead body of Maharaj Vena. Don't think like that. Prabhupada warns us. Don't think that this is just some uh, made-up story. It's possible, just we don't know the science, that's all. So, Hare Krishna, any question, please? Srila Prabhupada wants to re-establish Varnashrama, so that is like... Srila Prabhupada wants to establish Varnashrama. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm guessing what your question is. That is it going to be like the old system that we have families of brahmanas in which in in those families the uh, they generally produce brahmana stock and the kshatriyas will produce kshatriya stock. Uh, I don't know. To uh, re-establish such uh, good family lines seems to be a very uh, tall, uh, a very, very great challenge to do so, considering that, uh, considering that uh, previously the the lines were preserved so well, and definitely in uh, outside of India they're completely mixed up. I mean, anyway they're fallen, and then they, they got mixed up completely. So there's no saying by birth who anyone is. That's why they, maybe that's one reason they think everyone's equal. Because yeah, everyone's at the lowest possible standard. So everyone's equal. <laughs> but uh, up to the present, there's still the vestiges of the caste system are going on in India. And we do see that uh, there's still some tendency within the castes, I would say. This is my personal observation, which I could probably be imprisoned for saying if I said it publicly probably I don't there's probably a law like that that if I said that well generally we see that the Brahmin those born of the Brahmana caste they're more intelligent generally speaking and piously inclined and people from a very low caste background they uh, they tend to be less intelligent and somewhat gross and uh, people from, uh, that's, that's very prominent, the Vaishya families. We still see people from Vaishya families. The very natural and tendency to, toward making money. Uh, that's still very prominent. Um, just like, for instance, in Gujarat, the Patels. Patel means a farmer and businessmen, and still, uh, that's what they do. And they do it very well, actually. I mean, they're naturally inclined to... Of course, you get Patel doctors and university professors and uh, deputy prime minister. What was Sardar Vallabhai Patel? What was his designation? Some, anyway, he was a politician of sorts. So, uh, but in general, uh, well, that's just an example. And here in the South, it's the... What is it? Chetis? Chetias down here. They're the business community. And so they're naturally, they're naturally inclined to that and they naturally take it up. So maybe in India, maybe in India that could be, could be revived to some extent. In the West, it seems doubtful, but we'll have to see. If, I mean, even to get Varnashram going at all in any ways, it seems to be a great challenge. Yeah, what's your thought about this? 
But they they won't have the same prominence as chanting of the holy names. Srila uh, Prabhupada is, used to be a famous quote within ISKCON that Srila Prabhupada made a certain statement, which I'm going to quote now. You don't hear it so much nowadays. But, and we don't have any official record. It's not in any of Prabhupada's books or recorded conversations. Like several of Prabhupada's, what are supposed to be, important quotes, but apparently he said that the children of his disciples' children would uh, light the sacrificial fire by mantra. It's a well-known quote. Then, uh, in that regard, also, um, when I was in the pit for the uh, Bhumi Puja two days ago, um, the uh, Priti Vardhana Prabhu he asked me to uh, having put me through the ceremonies which were also much abbreviated actually even from well like for instance we used just by showing water we did the offering the dup and deep and all these pushpa and all the other things and we Maybe if there'd been more time, it wouldn't have been that difficult to offer an actual, all the, all these things. Um, but then he asked me to, uh, or directed me to pray to Anantashesh, to, uh, to manifest himself and to support the temple. I can't remember exactly what he said. And so when I did that, then, uh, he asked, well, shall we ask everyone present to pray for Ananda Sheshwas? I said, Kirtan is going on. Everything is accomplished. Everything is complete by Harinam. So he asked me if he should. And my opinion, I wasn't ready, you know, to pull out all the Shastras and have a look and see. But that was my immediate response. That well, Harinam is going on. Everything is perfect by Harinam. So... It's not that all the Vedic usages will be stopped by because Harinam is there. And uh, it would appear that Srila Prabhupada wanted that there will be a class of Brahmanas who are expert in performing various ceremonies. For instance, these sangskars, Srila Prabhupada definitely wanted them introduced. Who will do that? It, it requires a, a, a pure person to do so, to, to perform the sangskars. Their role is somewhat akin to that of uh, this famous word, a ritvik. They, uh, they don't, they're not the actual guru of the person, but they, they perform the ritualistic function for him. So it's somewhat akin to that. But uh, ritvik, by the way, I'm using in the original sense of the term, which means... Uh, someone who uh, performs a sacrifice. 
or one of the priests in performing the sacrifice for the for others. So uh, they, it's not the, the the idea that you know you get any any slob can come along and be a a, a ritvik or required to that. I mean, if they say no one's qualified to be a guru according to Shastra, well, no one's qualified to be a ritvik either. Because the qualification to be a, a, a brahmana is uh, it far surpasses a brahmana fit to perform sacrifices. It far surpasses what most of us uh, are, are any level that most of us are on, apart from our chanting of Hare Krishna, which covers all other disqualifications and awards all qualifications. So one can be a a brahmana, a a, a yagyik, a ritvik, a a guru by the by one's nama one's faith and attachment to the holy name of Krishna. So, yeah, there will be, there should be expert brahmanas, but their expertise and their ability. Uh, Everything will, as in any age, it will depend on the mercy of Krishna. But the, the, the considerable lack of qualification compared to previous ages is made up by the one great qualification of faith in the holy names of Krishna. Yeah, much more could be said about that. That's a general principle, but it could be elaborated more. Yes, please. Given almost no one has the purity of Srila Prabhupada. Almost no one has the purity of Srila Prabhupada. I would leave the word uh, almost out of that. It's uh, that, or, or the uh, the tremendous stature, or spiritual stature of Srila Prabhupada. Yeah. No one, we, we, we don't see anyone who's on that level. I'm cutting you out. <laughs> I'm impure, that's why I'm doing it. Forgive me. Yeah, then. For the Rumi families, what has such purity? Is adoption a, or if they cannot produce a child, should they adopt a child? Should families who cannot produce a child, devotee families, should they adopt a child? What's that got to do with the point about Srila Prabhupada's purity? He brought people without any background of any purity. He made them devotees. If they don't have such purity, should they adopt children? I, I don't. How does that come? Who are they going to adopt? Someone from someone from another from another Mletcher family, or what? Bring 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 Indians. Adopt children of Brahmana families, orphans. Well, orphans. Or what's the guarantee that they're going to be of good, from good background? No, by by chanting the holy names, purification is there. See, there may be so many bad things in the heart, but by the, the commitment to chant Hare Krishna, that is uh, that factor is so overwhelming. That if we're actually committed to chant Hare Krishna, then despite all the bad things in the heart, 
one is considered a pure devotee in the sense that one's commitment is there to be a pure devotee. It's only a matter of time before those bad things go away. So one who's chanting Hare Krishna with uh, sincerity, even though they may have so many bad impressions in the heart, they're in a better position than uh, someone who's maybe pure in heart in a previous age, but doesn't have that faith in Krishna. And we see at the present time that there's still people of good Brahminical background, very pure families, but if they're not chanting Hare Krishna, they're not as spiritually advanced as people come from a very bad background and who are chanting Hare Krishna. They're not as dear to Krishna. In fact, one doesn't become dear to Krishna simply by being a Brahmana. Uh, with a, a, a non-Vaishnava Brahmana. And we see that uh, children born of devotees, they, they, they're often very special souls. Still in need training. But they're very special souls. Uh, Prabhupada said that, it's another of those Prabhupada said, well known, which I don't have any reference for, but Prabhupada said that the demigods are queuing up to take birth in this movement. And that's stated in Shastra, that the, in Srimad Bhagavatam, that the demigods, are, they want to take birth in Bharatvarsha and in uh, Kali Yoga because Kaling Sabhajyantyarya Gunagya Sarabhagena Yatrasankirtananeva What is that? Sarva Siddhim Labhyata I can't remember exactly. Uh, that the, the in Kali Yoga, Kali Yoga is uh, persons who are very intelligent, they glorify Kali Yoga. Because in Kali Yoga, simply by Sankirtan, all that is required, everything is perfect and complete. So in one sense, we shouldn't even be too worried about the impurities. We, we, should, we shouldn't think that well, I'm so impure, I can't be purified. But we should have faith that whoever follow me are, we can be purified. But at the same time, we have to submit ourselves to the process of purification. If we think, well, I don't need purification, I'm okay as I am, then we can't be purified. So it's both perspectives should be there. On one hand, we shouldn't be so concerned that uh, I, I'm... In one way, we may think I'm, yeah, I'm very fallen, but on the other hand, we should have faith that by that uh, everything will be attained by taking shelter of Krishna through the process of chanting Hare Krishna. Yeah, but on the other hand, we shouldn't think that, okay, I'm chanting Hare Krishna, so that's it. Don't have to uh, bother trying to become purified. So, Hare Krishna. We'll finish there. All glories to His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Hare Krishna.